From the concert halls to the juke joints, from churches to festivals in the fields, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan, celebrating the sounds of Memphis and the Mississippi Delta for more than 20 years. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation and Memphis Tourism. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we feature Scott Sherrard as he marks the release of his new studio effort, Saving Grace. We'll hear a performance captured at Rail Garden, smack dab in the middle of Midtown Memphis. And later in the program, we get to sit down and catch up with Scott. Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis will be with us to deliver an installment of the Blues Hall of Fame, an exploration of the lives of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame right here in Memphis, Tennessee. It's brought to you by the Blues Foundation. That's all coming up right now on Beale Street Caravan. Hey, Pat. Hey, Kevin. Scott Sherrard is back on the show with us. I think when we first met Scott, we were at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music. It was just last year. He was performing with Don Bryant and the Bo Keys. And if I'm not mistaken, he was in town working on the record that this right here program marks the release of. That's right, and that record is titled Saving Grace. It's a very special record. We're going to tell our listeners all about it, but first, let's fill them in on Scott. Scott Sherrard is an amazing guitar player and vocalist. He may be best known as the band leader and guitarist for the Greg Allman Band. He began his tenure with the iconic singer in 2008, and he was Greg Allman's right-hand man until the rock legend passed away in May of 2017. Playing guitar for Greg Allman, that's a pretty daunting task. I think it goes without saying that those are some pretty big shoes to fill. I can't even imagine. This last iteration of the Greg Allman Band was really something special, and we have to mention that the band featured three of Memphis's finest. Drummer Steve Potts of Booker T and the MG's fame, and horn players Art Edmonston and Mark Franklin. Their time together culminated with the posthumous release of Allman's last studio effort, Southern Blood. Critics herald the release as Allman's finest solo effort to date. But as any Allman Brothers fan knows, the road goes on forever and Scott Sherrard picked up the pieces where he could and he forged ahead. The result is the new studio album, Saving Grace. Produced in Memphis, Tennessee and Muscle Shows, Alabama, Scott is backed by legendary studio musicians from each city. In Muscle Shows, he worked with the Swampers and Fame Studios. And in Memphis, producer Scott Bomar brought in the high rhythm section to lay down their grooves. In fact, Reverend Charles Hodges of the high rhythm guests in the performance you're about to hear. Here's Scott Sherrard, live on Beale Street Caravan.
That was Scott Sherrard live on Beale Street Caravan. We'll be back with more music from Scott in just a bit. Up next, Grammy-nominated bluesman Guy Davis takes us through the life histories of the pioneers and innovators enshrined in the Blues Hall of Fame. This segment is brought to you by the Blues Foundation and is also available as a standalone podcast through iTunes. This week, we learn about the Beale Street blues boy, B.B. King. First time Riley King laid eyes on Beale Street, he knew this is heaven. He strolled under neon signs, smelled sweet hot barbecue. He glanced sideways at painted ladies. He stood and watched a dice game. Heaven. He floated after the sound of music to Handy Park. He shook his head. He thought, these guys sound like they have four arms. I'm all thumbs. Riley carried his guitar with him, didn't even have it in a case, but wouldn't dare play. All of a sudden, a spotter for the dice game shouted, Number one! Everyone looked up and saw a white policeman coming. They ran, and Riley followed, cradling his guitar under his arm. He flew past pawn shops and glimpsed a picture of T-Bone Walker in the record store window. His hero, heaven emptied fast. Though humble, Riley gushed charisma, sincerity, and charm. Most importantly, he worked hard. He came to heaven after a dream. But that policeman and the guitarist with four arms chased him and his dream right across the Mississippi into West Memphis, Arkansas. He had nothing fancier to wear than an old army jacket, still carrying his guitar with no case. Riley took a few deep breaths and went inside the local radio station. He was looking for the man he'd heard on the radio every day growing up in Mississippi. Riley was shown back to the studio, empty except for one tall, brawny dude standing there playing harmonica. Guitarist with four arms, now this guy. Riley took another deep breath and looked him in the eye. Sonny Boy Williamson stopped blowing his harmonica. He looked back into Riley's eyes and said, What do you want? Riley stammered, I, 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 I want to sing on your program. Go ahead, Sonny Boy said. Let me hear you. Riley stopped stuttering. He picked clean and sang clear for Sonny Boy. Riley could feel him warming up. The big fella said, What do you call yourself? I'm just Riley B. King. That night, Riley found himself performing in the packed, sweaty 16th Street Grill on West Memphis's little version of Beale Street. Heaven came to Arkansas. The women moved to Riley's beat. He plucked the high notes and watched their backs arch. Miss Annie, who ran the joint, said Riley could play there six nights a week, 12 bucks a night on one condition. He had to get on the radio and spread the word about his new gig. Riley thought about it as he crossed back over the rivers and heard rain pounding on the bus roof. In Memphis, Riley walked off from the bus station. He felt raindrops and tucked his guitar under his coat best as he could. Miss Annie was still talking to him. Get on the radio, he heard over and over. He knew he'd do anything to broadcast on WDIA, and now he was. 
Only 20 more blocks in a rainstorm to go. WDIA flew onto the Memphis airwaves right as Riley first saw heaven. The first radio station in America to play all black music with all black DJs. When Riley finally reached the WDIA studios, he saw one of those DJs behind a soundproof window and knocked on the glass to get his attention. The DJ happened to be the first WDIA hired. In the heart of the rich Mississippi Delta, WDIA, 50,000 watts of goodwill, invites you to join us in asking the man upstairs to smile on us today. Nat D saw Riley standing there, dripping with the guitar strings down under his coat. He saw the determination and sincerity written all over Riley's face. He wanted to make this work. Nat said, we've got a new product we want to put on the air. You think you could make a jingle? Riley had no experience with jingles. He blurted out, yes, sir. Nat D said, the name of it is Pepticon. Pepticon? Yeah. Riley beat his guitar like a drum and sang. Pepticon, sure is good. Pepticon, sure is good. Pepticon, sure is good. You can get it anywhere in your neighborhood. Nat said, you're hired. Pepticon and its plugger were a hit. The stuff was mostly alcohol, and listeners dug that almost as much as the new down-home kid they heard on D.I.A. Riley had 15 minutes every day. He sang the virtues of the alcoholic serum and some of his own songs, and folks went crazy for him. He called himself the Beale Street Blues Boy. Letters poured into WDIA for him, addressed to Mr. Blues Boy. That got shortened to BB. She knows what to do and she knows what it's all about. Now, don't blame Every legend has a twist. Young BB King's life took one in a town called Twist, 40 miles outside Memphis in the Arkansas cotton fields. There, on a freezing winter night, B.B. did his thing in a juke joint that looked like a good wind could turn it into toothpicks. The joint was so rustic, it had a steel barrel full of flaming gasoline for a heater. Now, B.B. heard fights in the crowd just about every place he played. But that was just part of the ambiance. This scene got twisted. Two guys wrestled on the floor. They locked up and started rolling like a tractor, cutting down everyone in their path. And then they crashed into the barrel. The thing tipped over and a river of fire flooded the dance floor. B.B. King and everyone else got the hell out of there. Outside, even the wrestlers stopped to watch the place burn. B.B. looked around to make sure everybody was all right and then noticed something. Oh, no, he shouted. I left my guitar in there. He had no time to think as the place collapsed. He had to save her. B.B. dove through the front door, hearing cries of don't, drowned out by roaring hell. Flames licked at him as he ran. He grabbed the guitar around the neck and turned back out. Chunks of burning ceiling rained down around him. He hit the floor rolling and finally came to a stop outside in the cold night, smoldering like a cigarette. Still smoking, B.B. got up and stood face to face with one of the guys in the fight. You just about killed everybody in this place. The man looked down. B.B. watched him for a moment and realized it could only be one thing. What was her name? B.B. asked. The man muttered something. Lucille? B.B. asked. The man nodded. B.B. said, who's Lucille? The woman works here, the man replied. B.B. never saw her, 
but he never forgot her either. He also never wanted to forget how foolish he'd been to risk his life for his guitar, so he named her Lucille. In spite of his adventures, lady friends, and his radio fame in Memphis, B.B. spent more time in Arkansas picking cotton than picking Lucille. He knew he needed a hit record to get him out of the fields and the raunchy roadhouses that grew beside them. He made little money as a DJ but recognized the fringe benefits of broadcasting. He used his time to promote his own gigs and provide favors for other folks in the business. A popular bluesman named Lowell Fulson came to perform on Beale Street, bringing his brilliant but unknown bandleader Ray Charles with him. They sold thousands of tickets, and as they counted their money in a back room after the show, a local DJ stepped up to introduce himself. You the only ones to fill this place, B.B. told Fulson. I pat myself on the back because I need your records. Lowell thanked B.B. and figured that'd be that. But B.B. stood there. He said, tell you what you can do. You can let me do that song three o'clock in the morning. Lowell thought a second. The song had been out three years. He never heard B.B. sing. He figured nothing was going to come of it. Why, sure, Lowell said, you can do the song. Lowell Fulson didn't know what a serious young man he was dealing with. Within a matter of days, B.B. booked a recording session with the Los Angeles Rhythm and Blues Company. They set up a temporary studio right down the street from B.B.'s apartment at the Y. B.B. stepped into the room and saw some of the elite players in all of Memphis. Tough Green, Ben Branch, Hank Crawford, Willie Mitchell, and on the piano, a bad 20-year-old who already had a massive hit record, Ike Turner. But all these stars held back as this day and Lowell Fulson's song belonged to B.B. King. Two months later, it was the number one record in the land. B.B. walked into Paul's tailor shop on Beale, the place he'd run past from the police his first night in heaven. He bought two suits, one burgundy and one lavender, with black and red shoes, a shirt, socks, and a tie to match. And B.B. King jumped on the long, winding road. Well, I can't find my baby. Thanks for listening to the Blues Hall of Fame podcast, brought to you by the Blues Foundation. The Blues Hall of Fame podcast is produced by Beale Street Caravan for the Blues Foundation, written by Preston Lauterbach and voiced by Guy Davis. For more information on the Blues Foundation, go to blues.org.
Bill Street Caravan has been bringing the sounds of Memphis to public radio airwaves for more than 20 years. And now you can see what we've been talking about. Check out our series of digital shorts through our website or go to iListenToMemphis.com. I Listen to Memphis is about Memphis music today, the musicians who make it, and the places and culture that fuel it. Again, it's iListenToMemphis.com. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and many other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from Memphis Tourism, Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, we're featuring Scott Sherrard as he marks the release of his latest studio effort, Saving Grace. Recorded in the music capitals of Southern Soul, Memphis, Tennessee, and Muscle Shoals, Alabama, Scott surrounded himself with legendary studio veterans associated with each city to craft the vintage tones and feel captured on this record. And on that note, since you mentioned capturing the vintage tones, Scott Sherrard played a very, very special guitar during the recording sessions, didn't he? One of the most iconic guitars of all time. In fact, for the recording of Saving Grace, Greg Allman gave Scott the incredible privilege of playing Dwayne Allman's 1957 Gold Top Gibson Les Paul. This priceless guitar usually rests under lock and key in the Allman Brothers Band Museum in Macon, Georgia. This album, Saving Grace, marks the first time this guitar has been recorded since Dwayne used it himself on the sessions for Derek and the Dominoes' Layla. Let that soak in. Wow. Stay tuned because in a few minutes we'll be talking to Scott about all this and more. Here's more music from Scott Sherrard live on Bill Street Caravan.
this record come about? Well, it's unfortunately not a quick answer, but um, I'll try to sum it up as quick as I can. So when I was in the studio cutting this album and planning to cut the album, I was thinking of all these guys I'd met, the Swampers Rhythm Section, who I met through my work with Greg, and then eventually it's the, the uh, studio fame, and then uh, High Rhythm, who I met through Greg's drummer, Steve Potts, um, who was the drummer in the Greg Allman band for my entire decade-long tenure. So Steve and I are real close, and uh, Steve introduced me to everybody here, Boo Mitchell, to Scott Bomar, my co-producer on Saving Grace, and of course, through them, I met uh, High Rhythm, who are my lifelong musical heroes, Howard Grimes, Leroy and Charles Hodges. Those records were on constant rotation in my house, all the High Rhythm stuff, from the Willie Mitchell instrumental stuff to Sil Johnson, Ann Peebles, Al Green, obviously. So constant influences of mine since I was a little kid. So, and the same with the Swampers. 
So with Saving Grace, what I was trying to do is really pay homage to all these masters. I was really thinking about how can I make a record that sort of turns the page from my last 10 years of creative work with Greg and also gets these guys on wax, these guys who are in their 70s still playing really well, who are lifelong heroes of mine playing my music to sort of pay homage to the past and push forward. It's like the whole record was you just pulling from so many things that, I mean, it's like, Scott, this is your life, you know? That was the idea. I mean, that was, I'm glad you got that from it because this was an intentional summation of, you know, not only my last 10 years with Greg, but my last, you know, I've been playing professionally since I was 15. So my last 25 years as a professional musician, I mean, this is like the summation of that journey. And again, I needed something that was a turning of the page. And the, of course, the instrument you're talking about is Dwayne Allman's uh, 57 gold top Les Paul that's at the Big House Museum in Macon, Georgia. And our friend Richard Brandt was uh, generous enough to, to drive over to Macon to Fame Studios in Muscle Shoals, which is a place where Dwayne actually cut tracks with that guitar. He did Boss Gag's Loan Me a Dime with that guitar in that studio and everything. The last time that guitar was used for a recording in that studio was by Dwayne Allman. So it was a privilege that was expressly given to me by Greg himself that he told the museum, when Scott wants to play the guitar, please loan it to him. You know, And he didn't do that very often. I was very honored by that gesture in itself. And I felt like since we were in fame at Muscle Shoals and I had you know, Greg so heavily on my mind and I just wanted to see if there was any way we could bring that instrument back to that place and hear it in that space again, just to, you know, sort of gild the lily, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of what we were doing with this record when we were making it. We were going, you know, and when I say we, it's my co-producers, Scott Bomar and Charlie Martinez. And Charlie's produced every album with me. Charlie's been with me for 20 years. So I, I you know, we had to have Charlie engineer and of course co-produce. And we were all on the same page. Like they got it right away. And uh, we just made it happen, every one of these things, you know, and it, it was not easy and it was not cheap, but it was worth every penny and every second. It was a magical experience. It really was. So as you close out this chapter of where you are right now in your career, what do you hope are the things that go through their mind when they're talking about your music? Well, you know, it's hard out here because, you know, sometimes I feel like that. I don't know if you ever seen that Jim Jarmusch movie, Ghost Dog. You remember that, that scene where He's looking out, the main protagonist is looking out the window in a you know, Brooklyn uh, apartment block, and he sees a guy you know, building a yacht on his roof, and he goes, how the hell is he gonna get that thing down from there? <laughs> That's how I feel most days in the music business. It's like, it's like I'm building a yacht on a roof in Brooklyn, and I have no idea how I'm ever gonna get it in the water. <laughs> but every day it's like we're moving forward as much as we can. I've been making records since I was 21 years old. It's 20 years of record making. Um, and I've done them all in totally independently. I've had every near miss with every label you can name. And us, you know, me and Jesse, my manager, left on the side of the road. Uh, a year ago to figure out what to do with this record because we knew how special it was. We knew how hard we hustled to make it happen. And we swiped it into reality. And, and, and it's like I said, it's like build, building the boat on the roof. It's like you're not thinking about what you're even gonna do eventually. You just know that this thing is gonna be amazing, you know? But putting it in the water has been a, da a daily, just to continue the analogy, has been a, a daily process. But I think we're gonna get there eventually.
I love the record and it's always nice to have someone that is on a journey because that's what we're all doing, you know? Well, yeah, I mean, look, I mean, Ravel was a music teacher his whole life. You know, Bach was a church organist. There's a lot of musical artists in history who just punched the clock and had families and wrote music that would eventually completely change the world. I'm not saying I'm that person, but you just never know. That's why you just gotta keep trying. That's all, that's all I do. I'm just another guy trying at the end of the day who just loves music. That's it's just really that simple, and, you know, and that's that's how I approach it. Well, thank you for taking time to talk to us again. Thank you for having me.
right, we're going to do the first song off our new album, Saving Grace. This one's called High Cost of Loving You.
That was Scott Sherrard live on Beale Street Caravan. You can find out more about Scott and his music by visiting scottsherrard.com. The new album is titled Saving Grace. Be sure to check it out. And be sure to check out his tour dates. This is one live show you don't want to miss. Again, his website is scottsherrard.com. He may be coming to a music venue near you soon. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, Memphis Tourism, Arts Memphis, Tennessee Arts Commission, and Tennessee Tourism for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public radio. You won't find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag iListenToMemphis. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. And you can always keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We'll be back next week. So until then, I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. Mm-hmm.